Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the Path 11 podcast today. This is going to be a wild ride. We've got a show here that I don't really know too much about, which is the whole reason why I decided to invite this guest onto the Path 11 podcast. And I think it might challenge you in some ways. And I think we might be hearing some new information that is going to probably leave you with more questions at the end of this show. We'll see. But my guest today is Dick Larson. He is a retired family addictions therapist with a background in teaching and business who addresses the issue of practical spirituality in everyday life. He is a frequently featured guest on talk show, talk radio shows nationwide. Larson's familiarity with practical spirituality comes from his study and practice of the ageless wisdom teaching. So I don't know about that. And I'm, I was curious to learn more about that and his appreciation of the world's major religions. He has participated in transmission meditation groups and in personal meditation for 30 years. Despite today's tremendous problems, Mr. Larson shares his strong convictions that we are now in a very special time of world change, one that offers tremendous opportunities for personal growth, as well as hope for a bright new, new future. And one of the things that we're going to learn about is a teacher, a grand teacher. I forget already. Dick had told me before we hit record of how this teacher likes to be called. But we're going to introduce you to Maitreya. And we will get to that maybe more towards the middle of the show. But that is what piqued my interest of something that I had never heard about before. Who is this healer that might be walking the earth and helping us to live in a better way? And I also decided that I wanted Dick Larson to be on the show because I love the fact that he is an addictions therapist and he may not know this about me. I know you guys know and probably are tired of hearing it every show, but I am also a licensed mental health therapist. So I have been doing therapy for 20 years and moving actually away from it now over the past couple of years and just doing more healing work. So Dick, welcome to the show. Thank you, April. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I always figure, you know, hopefully if I'm having a a therapist on who has worked in the field for a while that they're pretty level-headed and can always, when we start to talk about out there things like this, mm -hmm. therapists usually have a really good idea of assessing what could be on the level of psychosis and delusion and what <laughs> isn't. So, Very you know, good. was impressed with your, your background here and would love for you to start off to just let my audience know a little bit more about you and, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing now and how you came to the Ageless Wisdom teachings. And we'll get into introducing my audience to Maitreya. Great. Thank you, April. I live on the West Coast. I'm in the Los Angeles area. Been here for a long, long time, raised in Minnesota. My last, I've seen my last winners. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. I, once I got here, I thought, well, this is, this is it. <laughs> So I love it here. And I've been here, I don't know, 50 years. Um, I'm retired now, but I was, in fact, a drug and alcohol addictions counselor. And my favorite 
part of that work was working with families because they just don't have a clue about addiction at all. And they feel like it's all their fault and especially the parents or the partners. And, and so I really loved working with the family, but also with the patients. So that was my vocation that I ended up working at a college teaching other adults how to become drug and alcohol counselors. I love that too. I'm like paying it forward, you know? So I'm retired now. I love retirement and I'm doing volunteer work for an organization called Share International. And Share International is an international organization, as it suggests. It's a nonprofit and it's a group of about 4,000 volunteers worldwide who have volunteered to learn more about the Ageless Wisdom teachings and to tell the world about the world teacher and the fact that his appearance to humanity is imminent. He's here now in a physical body, waiting for the best time to come forward. And our information comes from something called that you mentioned called the Ageless Wisdom Teachings. The Ageless Wisdom is an ancient, ancient philosophy as, as old as humanity, but it's updated and updated periodically throughout humanity's existence, especially since we began to think. You know, humanity started out as animal man, and then we got emotions, and we were very, very emotional, and we had the germ of life. <laughs> and then we started thinking. We got, our, we got a brain that started to develop and started to work. And that's kind of where we're at now as a human race. The, the order of evolution for, for humanity most major philosophies agree that humanity has four aspects of physical, it's the lowest vibration, the lowest of the evolutionary path. Next is emotional, that's also called astral. And then next is the mind, the mental capabilities. And then the highest, of course, is the spiritual aspect of humanity. We are all spirits, we've just forgotten. And so, where we're at right now is humanity is mostly physical and emotional. Our aches and pains and our emotional problems kind of take over our lives. And instead of us running our lives, our feelings are running our lives. We react to them, react on them, and then we make mistakes. Because the thing about feelings is they're temporary. <laughs> so if you don't like how you feel, just wait a little while. It'll change. But then you go, oh, what am I going to do? Why did I do that? How am I going to apologize for that? And so on. Well, the stage humanity is at right now, according to the latest teacher of the Ageless Wisdom, is that we're moving from the emotional control of our lives to mental control of our lives. We're going to let our mind start to run our emotions and our body more and more. And that means that we're going to start to get in touch with the fact that we're living souls. Now, the Ageless Wisdom says you can picture the soul as a multi-pointed white light, like a star about six inches above the top of your head, connected to your mind and your heart by golden threads, which I think is a beautiful analogy. So it's time for humanity, who is now very, very astrally based or emotionally based, to start moving up in our evolution some. Everybody's at a different level. That's the thing about humanity. We're all at a different level, so that's what makes the world go round. We're not all the same. So... Everybody's at a little different level, and some people will get there before others, but that's the way it's been throughout the ages, is some people are a little more advanced than others. I don't claim any advancement at all. And so 
humanity is now going, well, I call it the lower self. The lower self is the physical, emotional aspects, and the higher self is the mental and spiritual aspects. And the soul is connected to the mind. The soul, of course, knows God's will and is trying to get us to do God's will. And if you don't believe in God, that's okay. You could say the will of the universe or all but the universe or all the love of the universe, whatever you want. The soul is trying to get us to do that. And mind translates the message of the soul so that we can understand. And so they're linked up all the time. We just don't use them a lot. <laughs> and so that's part of the purpose of meditation. The, the purpose of any good scientific meditation, and it's very scientific because it's all about energy, and everything is, that, is to make contact with the soul. So the soul can start having an impact on how we live our lives. And so that's the, the real true purpose, not to get inspiration, not to get good ideas. That could happen, but it's really to help us evolve, to help us learn and grow mentally and spiritually, especially. And that's the next step for humanity. So the teacher of the ageless wisdom that I knew, he's passed away now, but I knew him for about 30 years and worked with him, as did many of my coworkers, was a man named Benjamin Krem, C-R-E-M-E. It looks like cream, but it's pronounced Krem. He lived in London. He traveled the world, giving out the teachings that I'm going to give out to you, a little piece of it that I'm going to give out today to your listeners and viewers. And uh, came to New York every year, then he came to L.A. every year, to San Francisco every year, then he went over to Japan every year, and so on, around the world, giving lectures and teachings and, and teaching meditation. And so I was part of the group that attended his was in his presence every year and got to talk to it quite a bit, actually. And he made no claims for his own spirituality, but he did say this. He said, my teachings come from a member of humanity's advanced spiritual kingdom. Those people in the, the advanced members of our spiritual kingdom are called amenities. They're called the ascended masters, the masters of wisdom, the words of passion, many names like that. And they're people that we knew that that we know of that went through evolution ahead of the rest of us. People like the Buddha and Jesus and Krishna and Confucius and so on. These great beings, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is one of the great masters now. There are 63 that have stayed with planet Earth and are the senior members of our spiritual team and helping guide humanity as they have over the eons from behind the scenes. Some of the other members, like John, Paul, Ringo, no, not Ringo, I'm kidding. <laughs> but St. John and St. Paul, Joan of Arc is one of the great masters now. Well, one of the greatest of these masters is coming forward now, about every 2,250 years we get great, to help humanity with this next step forward in evolution, teaching one of the great, great messages of the universe now, about 2,000 years ago, we had Buddha come. He got the wisdom of God. Then Jesus came about four or 500 years later and taught the love of God. And if God is love, that was a huge message. Now it's time for the next teacher. And our information is that he is going to teach the wisdom, the will of God. I'm sorry, the will of God. So what that means, you know, there's an ancient saying, April, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. What that means is that humanity must be ready now to start seriously doing God's will. 
because he comes to teach us God's will. And not only that, his first four priorities are real basic stuff. Healthcare for everybody, housing for everybody, food for everybody, and education for everybody as a human right. Human right. You know, they have that over in Europe now, but not here in America. You got to name it. Why people can rack up some awful debts doing that in college and, and so on. So he comes just to help us realize that the basic needs of life should be provided so that nobody starves, nobody is homeless, nobody goes without some kind of offering of education, and, and nobody dies because of a disease that could have been treated with normal health care. He says that's really kind of the purpose of national governments. And, and people are going to say communism, socialism. No, it's, it's, it is part of socialism. That's true. But he said that the, the perfect mix is a combination of socialism and democracy or free enterprise. And so he said that the federal government should provide that safety net for the older people, the poor, the elderly, the sick, that, that makes sure that nobody goes without, nobody starves to death and so on. And then the rest is up to us because we have free will and we can do whatever else we want to do with our lives. Free will is sacred. And so that will never, the, the masters never impose anything on us. They'll never force us to do anything. Now, my information is that this teacher is here now, waiting for the other physical body. His, his home base is the outskirts of London. And that's not just because Benjamin Crown is in London, it's back. But I, you know, I, I spent so much time around Benjamin Crown. I just, he was just so logical and so matter of fact about everything. And I just, starting to study his books really well and listen really well to him. And it just made so much sense to me. You know, I grew up as a Christian in Christian religion. And, but I knew there was more to it. That's why I started studying some of the world's religions. And now this is something that we could call spirituality. It's not religion, but it's spirituality. And that is that every person is a living soul. We're all souls. And we're trying to develop the ability to express our sacredness express that soul into the world. Some of us are better at it than others. Some are more involved than others. And, and you folks can probably guess who a lot of them are. And so that's the information about the world teacher. He's here now waiting for the best time to come forward. And he's going to just do some basic stuff. He's not here to start a new religion. He says, I come as a teacher. Benjamin Crumb called him the world teacher. That's the phrase you're earlier. Right, right. Yeah, Benjamin Graham called him the world teacher because he's here as a teacher. He's going to make suggestions, like I said, never force us to do anything. He's going to say, well, have you thought about trying this? Have you thought about trying that? And then we have to make decisions. Decision time is coming pretty bad. And so we will then decide if we want to help up with that effort or not. Um, so, and so there's a lot more to say about it. That's yeah, let me, let me ask a question just to kind of straighten it out in my head. So my understanding and that the world teacher is here in body on earth, but it was is really clearly an advanced soul that has incarnated incarnated into human form to teach people about God's will. 
And you mentioned that he's in London. So where, how, how do you know that? And I guess my question is, is this just like a normal human being? Is this somebody that would step into a political stature or somebody, you know, of a church or something like that of when he decides to step forward? And if he, and how do you know that he is in physical form and who's witnessed this and where's, where's the proof? My audience is going to say, where's the proof of this? <laughs> well, so that's the thing about this interview. <laughs> I don't have any proof to show anybody. I can talk about how I know, and I'll be happy to do that. Sure. And I'll venture brand new, but I I can't offer proof because what it is, it's philosophy. I mean, it's prophecy, and you can't prove prophecy. You just have to wait and see. So that's all I ask people. It's really important. So glad you brought this up. It's really important that I let your listeners and viewers know that I am not asking them to believe a word I say. Matter of fact, please don't believe a word I say, because that would be blind belief. And I can't recommend blind belief to anybody. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm not here to convince anybody that what I said is true. I'm just asking people to try to keep an open mind. That's challenging, because we've all developed our own ideas about life and so on, and they're very dear to us our own philosophy and point of view about life. So I'm asking people to just crack the window open a little bit and, and let some of the, the hair that, I'm, that I'm, I'm talking about and let some of these ideas just come in and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to reject them. You don't have to agree with them. You just kind of let them sit in your lap yeah. and, and, and just kind of ponder on it over the next few days and see if any of it makes sense. If 10, 20, 30% of it makes sense to somebody I'll be very happy. So I'm not here to convince anybody. But to answer your question, and hopefully it be now, <laughs> to answer your question, Benjamin Graham was in contact, moment to moment, telepathic contact. He was he was taught how to do this by one of the masters. He was taught how to be in contact with this master moment to moment. And it wasn't channeling, it's higher than channeling. Channeling is a it's a very high emotional connection and, and can be difficult to interpret accurately for some. Some people are very good at it. Some people are not. Um, telepathy is like he could dictate Benjamin Graham's sentence, Benjamin, or where to put the comma, where to put the period, not because he knew, but because he heard it. It is that. And Benjamin Graham said his master would wake him up every morning and say, Graham, it's time to get out. <laughs> We're going to go for a walk in the park today. And I'm going to talk. <laughs> and so he can get up and so on. Well, he said the voice could be as loud as, as he wanted it to be. So this is where he got his information from one of the masters of the spiritual kingdom. Now, I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm just telling you, I've actually seen him communicating because he kind of, kind of closed his eyes and he'd hold up his hand like this. He'd kind of go like this when the master's talking, like he was writing down what the master would say. And then he'd say what the master said. Now, that could have been an act. But I mean, Benjamin, if you knew Benjamin Graham, he was so sincere um, and so unglamorous. I mean, he didn't seek the public attention. He didn't seek publicity at all. It, it, you just, after you see it several times, you start to go, okay. Because we would ask him a question, the group would ask him a question at his lecture. And if he didn't know the answer, then he would ask the master and get the answer. He'd say, well, an master says, da 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 That's where he gets his information. Um, there were supposed to be five people around the planet doing what Benjamin Graham did. 
The other four didn't respond. Benjamin Graham was the only one that responded. So he did the job and he had to travel the world doing it. Because Benjamin Graham was in touch with one of the masters, people who thought they had an experience of Maitreya, and I'll tell you about that in a second, could ask Benjamin Graham. Now, there's a monthly magazine called Share International Magazine that he was the chief editor of that has published a very nice, high-quality, glossy magazine. This monthly has no advertising because he didn't want to be indebted to anyone to say one thing or another. No advertising. It's just sponsored by donations. And in that magazine, in the back page, there's a question and answer where people could ask him questions and then he would answer them and, or his master would answer them. You, you never knew from moment to moment if it was Benjamin answering the question or the master. But anyway, people would ask him, was this an experience of one of the masters? And then he would check with his master, and if it was, he would publish that experience. And he would say which master it was. Most of the time, it was either Maitreya, the world teacher, or Jesus. That, which was another one of the great, great Maitreya and Jesus are like buddies. They work together all the time. They're a constant communication. And that's true of all the masters. I just mentioned Jesus because a lot of listeners probably And so, but the two that appear... And they worked together very closely, mostly were Maitreya and Jesus. But the thing is, they would appear, you said Maitreya incarnated, didn't really. The masters are consciousness, some are in bodies, some are living on the planet. Some live in the mountain regions of the world, some live in the desert regions of the world, where there's no pollution. They don't have to breathe in the polluted air and hear the noise pollution. They can just focus because they work 24 hours a day. They don't need to sleep or eat. You know, they're, they're pure consciousness. But he did, he made his own physical body. It took him a couple of years. He made his own physical body so that he could, see, the masters are on the masters of energy. They're master scientists. He could make his own body. It's a male body, about six foot three, I'm told. And he can disappear or appear, reappear at will. Just like any of the masters could. Master Jesus does the same thing. He he can be in 14 places at once. So solid you can shake his hand. Yet, and then just all of a sudden be back at London. Masters travel by thought. That's how they travel. And so someday we'll get there too. <laughs> but yeah, so I have experienced I've experienced him as a homeless man who or three times, and as a woman, a couple times, as a child, a little girl, one. And then I've experienced the Master Jesus as a homeless man, yeah, a young man, young African-American man. And so they can appear however they want to the people, and they do this to inspire people and to help people. People that have been pulled out of a, an automobile crash before that thing explodes under fire, would sometimes say, this stranger pulled me out, and I looked around, and he was gone. That was a bastard. They do that kind of thing. They love us so much that that they, they want to they want to mitigate pain as much as possible within the laws of the universe. You know, the universe has laws, a law of cause and effect, which at least they call karma in law. You know, and Jesus taught it. As you sow, so shall you reap. It, it was taught in all the major religions of the world and major philosophies. 
and it's the positive and effective. That's how we determine our lives. Our actions determine the future actions that will happen. And so if you want people to be nice to you, be nice to people. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. If you don't want people to cut you off in traffic, don't cut anybody off in traffic. Right. <laughs> it's that literal. I mean, it's literally that. I mean, I make sure that I let people in when they're in a driveway, the traffic is backed up. I make sure I let them in because next time I want to get in, somebody's going to stop and let me in. And I'm not kidding. I'm driving early. So the law of cause and effect, if you want people to be thoughtful of you, be thoughtful of others and so on. Huge law. Well, the masters have to have to respond to these laws as well. They have to live within them. So that's how I, I asked Benjamin Frem, and Benjamin Frem would check with his master and he would confirm whether it was Maitreya or the master Jesus. Benjamin Frem has experienced both of them before he passed away several times. Maitreya actually dictated some letters to humanity in the early days, in the 70s when he first started doing this work. And so Maitreya has talked through Benjamin Graham as well many times. So I know it's real because I've experienced it. You know, there's how do you know God is real? Well, there's only one way to know God is real, and that's not from believing in God. That's a belief. I'm not saying belief is wrong. I'm just saying it's only belief. If you have experienced God working in your life, then you know there's a God. Well, you can't show that to anybody. <laughs> You can't tell anybody about that. I mean, you can tell them, but you can't get them to believe it necessarily. So all I can do is share my experience. And obviously, I think it's real, or I wouldn't be wasting your time, April, and the time of your listeners and viewers to talk about it. So yes, I've experienced my trail. I can tell you some of his qualities from my experience. Unbelievable love. I was walking across a college campus. I was working on my master's degree. And I was leaving to go do transmission meditation, which is a group meditation that I'm introduced to the world. I was walking across the campus in Los Angeles, Cal State LA, and two boys were walking towards me. Now I'm an adult and, and they're young college students. And then I looked up at the last minute and right between them, behind them, was the face of a young college girl to be 19, 20, brown, shoulder length brown hair. Very kind of average face, but she gave me this smile as she walked by. And oh, my heart was just filled with love. I just, I just felt so loved. It was unbelievable. And, and my, I felt like my feet were barely touching the ground. It was just overwhelming experience. And I thought to myself, man, I wish I could smile at people and make them feel like she made me feel. Well, I couldn't get her out of my mind. That's one of the ways you know you've experienced a master. A very ordinary occurrence, a young lady smiling at me. But I couldn't get it out of my mind. I kept thinking about it. and keep coming back and coming back. So finally, I wrote to Benjamin Graham, and he published a letter in Sharon Nashville and said that the young girl was Maitreya. So I know about the love of Maitreya a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, he embodies the love of God, friends, as Jesus. Um, and so... Can you give me another example, too, of one of the homeless men that you were talking about? Sure. I was driving, this time I was driving home from Transmission Meditation. The sun was just setting and I came to a stoplight and I looked over and there was a bus bench on the other side of the street. And this homeless guy was all slumped down in a filthy tan trench coat. He had a straggly beard and a grayish brown mustache. And he was looking like this and he was like this. And when I looked at him, he looked up at me like this. And my very first thought, April, I, I mean, right away, instantly was, 
bad guy is looking right through me. And then the light turned green and I drove on and I didn't think any more about it. And then he kept coming back to me. So I finally, I wrote to Benjamin Fram and he published the letter and he said that that was my prayer on the, on the part. See, they appear in ways to try to teach a lesson. Same time, they appear to give you hope for the future. Because we're gonna we're gonna talk about the future. We have a bright, bright future ahead of us. So that's that's one of the things that I got from them was love and hope, and the fact that their their insight is just penetrating. I mean, I, he just looked right through me. I could just feel it. And it was amazing. That's how you know you've seen a master. There are like four common ways you know you've seen a master. Number one, there's something in their eyes. Either they're deep, 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 or they're incredibly beautiful, or they just really get your attention beyond normal. Another way is that you you feel love. You feel so happy, so joyful, and there's no reason to be that happy. <laughs> That's another way you know you've seen a master. They don't always talk to you. Sometimes they do. Uh, another way you know you've seen a master is you see them, and you look back and they're gone. And there's nowhere they could have gone. And that has happened to me too, a couple of times. There's another way, let's see, what is that? The eyes, the love, disappearing. I'll think of it. But there's another way that people know that, oh, you can't get it out of your mind. Like I said, very ordinary occurrence, seeing a man on a bus bench, homeless man. And I couldn't stop thinking about the homeless man. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a little girl come up to me. I was doing a share international booth where we give out information. And an older woman, I figured it was her grandmother, and this young girl who looked to be about 11, 10, 11, were, were looking at some of the materials in the booth, and I walked over and I said, can I help you? Now, my Tria has, I don't have one in, but my Tria put his handprint on a mirror in a woman's house in Spain from the inside. In other words, the handprint is coming out. And she saw it on the mirror and she wiped it off. She came back later into her bathroom, that was the guest bathroom, and there was one out of her mirror. She said, ah, something's up. Well, her son knew about my trans, so she saved it, and her son took a picture of it, sent it to Benjamin Cram. Benjamin Cram said, that is my trans handprint. It's as close as he can get to us till he comes forward openly to humanity. Well, he said, my trans said, if you look at my handprint for a few seconds, for a few moments, and ask for something, I will give you whatever you ask for if it's within karmic law, if it's within the law of cause and effect, but be able to. And I'm sure he didn't mean a red Chevy. You know, I'm, I'm sure he meant something a little more important than that. And so Benjamin Graham published the handprint, and then they made cards, about five by seven cards of it, which, you, which are available. And I have one framed here hanging on the wall. And if you look at his hand, then you could ask for help, for, especially for others, you know, but for yourself too, whatever you, whatever you need at the moment. And, and he said, that's as close as he can get. Now, why did I say that? Um, oh, and so I had this card with the hand in my hand. I hadn't told him about my tray. I hadn't told this, this couple anything yet. They were just looking around. And the little girl looked at it and looked up at me and I don't. I played in a rock band in, in college. I played a trumpet saxophone blues band, and we toured the upper Midwest. And so my ears are kind of shot because of the huge amplifiers behind me for all those years. So I didn't hear her well. Said something, I, and then I said, "Pardon me," and she said it again. 
And I thought she said, how much is the hand? And I said, oh, it's free. You can have one. And she said, no, 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 no. She went like this. So I bent down and she said, that is the hand of my tree of the Christ. And I said, how did you know that? I said, that's amazing. This little 10-year-old girl, right? Never seen her before. I said, yes, absolutely, it is. And, and, and then we talked a little bit where she said, I'm going through my first communion. And I said, oh, I did my communion, my first And so on. And then they left. Well, needless to say, I was shocked by this little girl. So I wrote to Benjamin Brent, and he said, the little girl was my prayer, and the grandmother was the Master Jesus. And they were there visiting Booth, you know, and so, and so that was my trio. So they can appear any way they want. Sometimes they'll appear smoking to people that hate smokers. Not to show that smoking is good, but to show that you shouldn't hate anybody, you know? <laughs> I mean, you may hate the habit, but don't hate them. Or they may appear as an African-American to somebody who doesn't like African-Americans, who's prejudiced, or Asian-American or whatever. The point being, we're all sacred. We're all loved, we're all capable of love, but we're all sacred. We're all brothers and sisters on this planet. You know, brothers and sisters of the one God by many names, Allah, Buddha, whatever you want to say. But, but that's, that's the truth of humanity. We're all part of the same family, and we should treat each other that way. You know, if a family of four only has enough food for three, they don't decide which one to start, they share it. So that everybody gets enough to do okay. Well, that's what the world isn't doing. You know, we've got, we've got the Western world has a lot of food stored. And if we don't get the right price for it, it rots. What Maitreya is saying and is going to teach, he's going to teach sharing as the main principle to attain peace and trust in the world. He said, it's the only thing you haven't tried. Mm-hmm. And what he means by that is that a separate department of the United Nations will take an inventory of all the countries of the world, their production and their needs. And then you will set up a huge bartering system where one country will share their excess production with a country that needs it, and they will get back something they don't produce that they need. And that's how the world, everybody in the world will have their needs met. Instead of just the, the, the wealthy being able to eat and the poor not being able to eat, for example. <laughs> so it's one of the major lessons he's going to teach because he said, when you share, you establish trust. And when you trust, you have war. And so that's one of his main teachings. So I guess I know we're running out of time here. So let me oh, just here. maybe this, this one other question is, with other people that I have interviewed, I've heard it so often that yes. the earth is a classroom. We're here to learn and that a lot of times people will incarnate into earth because there is duality. There's, you know, tall and short, light and dark, love and hate. And that this planet in the way that it's constructed and the rules of, of this planet, that souls will come here for that duality because it's a really quick way to be able to evolve in a very short period of time. Now, if this teaching of Maitreya or even Jesus, like I've heard, well, Jesus was going to show up again on earth and he has risen and he's going to make himself known too. He will walk the earth again. So this is a little similar to that. 
if we all begin to share and we and the world turns into these four wills and nobody's starving and you know we're all sharing everything where is the duality of this planet and does it change the the beauty in some ways of why the soul chooses to come here on earth because there are so many learning opportunities and there is some struggle which can in turn help us to grow well well the main duality that I would that I would focus on is free will. We can choose. And it's in choosing the, the reason it's sacred and will never be impinged by truncator, although we do it to each other all the time. We take away each other's free will, is because in choosing we we learn. And and if we truly learn, then we grow. The idea isn't to make the right choice every time. The idea is to learn from every choice. We can learn from a wise choice. We can learn from a poor choice. And if we learn from a poor choice, then the goal is to not make that choice again, to learn and grow. Our job on the planet is to learn and grow, as you've mentioned. And the way we do that is through the ability to choose one way or the other. This is a time of tremendous separation. And and the per- that's that's part of the plan. Because now the choices have become very clear. This way, or you can choose this way. And when the choices are clear, it makes it easier for us to choose. And that's part of the design. Souls, there are earthly souls. There are billions of earthly. I don't know how many. I want to say 20 or 30 billion. And every time a child is born, a soul needs to take that body. Actually, they take it before they're born, about three months before, according to the age of wisdom. The soul inhabits the body, and then that person is born. Now, this is a soul that's had thousands of lifetimes before. So, because one of the laws is rebirth, reincarnation, it doesn't mean we come back as animals. That's a, called the transmigration of souls, and that's a whole different deal. But rebirth is, is I'm convinced it's real. It's the only thing that makes sense. How can a 12-year-old sit down and and compose a cantata in seconds because he was a composer in a previous lifetime. That's how, you know, that, that kind of thing. How can this, all the great advancements of humanity are by people who have been here thousands of lifetimes. And, and finally, when you know you're a living soul and you're on the final stretch and you have maybe 10, 20 lifetimes left, that's it. And so the goal is to learn and grow. And by choosing, we learn. So I would say that's the primary one. The souls have to take a body. So that means sometimes souls are rushed into service before they're actually supposed to be. Because souls come forward in groups. And forward in groups because we've been here together before. And we've established karmic relationships. Maybe I was a parent and I was mean to my child. Well, then that we need to have a lifetime together so that child can be mean to me and even fails. That's how yeah. it works. Well, I guess, you know, the reason why I asked the question is, yeah. is if, if these four basic needs are all met mm-hmm. and and there isn't a whole lot of suffering, how yeah. how is our consciousness going to grow? Yeah. And how do we evolve the souls if some of that duality isn't here for us to be able to work through? The royal road to spiritual growth is meditation and serving. And the answer to your question is by serving others. We serve God by serving others. 
There are many ways to serve. Just people, people have asked me, well, I don't, how do I know which way God wants me to serve? Never took one. Just pick one. You know, just pick a need that humanity has and try to help fulfill that need. You can serve humanity by well, when you're walking across the street, picking up a piece of trash and putting it in the next trash can. That's a service to humanity. I mean, there you can send donations to a charity that, that's near and near, dear to your heart. Money is a great spiritual tool if it's used properly. That you can donate your time. You can you can you can help feed people. There's all kinds of ways to serve. Pick one that's near and dear to you. Maybe it's nature. Maybe it's our habitat. Maybe it's animals, saving certain animals, uh, polar bear and whales or whatever. But pick a way to serve the planet and serve humanity. And that's the primary way we grow. It's through service. Because the, the nature of the soul, the ancient wisdom says that nature of the soul is to serve. So when people start to get in touch with the fact that they might be a living soul, they start to look for ways to help people. It's just natural because that's the soul. That's what the soul wants to do. The soul wants to serve. So the primary way of advancing is to serve others. Now, the people who said Jesus is coming back in a physical body, my information is they're absolutely right. Not only that, he's here now. There are there are twelve masters on the planet in physical bodies right now. There will be over forty by the time the age of Aquarius is over, which is about 2,000 years from now. And those masters will work with my tram, but he comes as the world teacher this time. And they will, there will be a master in every department of human life. There'll be a master in the sciences. There'll be a master in every major religion. There'll be a master in healthcare. There'll be a master in food. There'll be a master in the arts. There'll be a master in every aspect of human life. Jesus, my, my information is, Jesus lives on the outskirts of Rome. The Pope and two of those cardinals know he's here, and they've been asked not to say anything because that would infringe free will. If the Pope said Jesus is here, almost all the Catholics in the world would believe it without ever experiencing Jesus for themselves. Well, he's, he, they've been asked to be quiet, but he is here now, and he will come forward after my prayer comes forward because it's my prayer's turn to be the world teacher. And then he will introduce Jesus. We'll see him standing side by side on television, honest to God. And Jesus' job, as I understand it, is to be the head of the Christian church worldwide. Now, the largest Christian church is the Roman Catholic Church, but all the others, you know, the Baptists and the Methodists and the Lutherans, all of them. But he will be the head of the Christian church. There'll be no more popes, April. He will, this will be the last pope. Jesus will take his place on St. Peter's throne, so to speak, as the, at the head of the church. And people will be able to ask him says this in the Bible. Did you really say that, Jesus? Or what did you mean by this? He will be available to people to ask questions, and his job is to get the church back on track. Because the church has lost its way with too many man-made rules. Who was it set up to do that? My information according to the angel's wisdom is the church was here to teach and to heal. The church does a terrible job of teaching and almost no healing at all. So he has come to set things right with the church, and that'll happen in every Every major religion has lost its way. And so there'll be a master in every department of life. It's a great time to be alive because what we're in right now is we're in the birth pangs of a new world. You know, in 1625, we started moving out of the influence of the great constellation Pisces. We were in a light with Pisces as a planet and a source. 
because we're surrounded by those 12 great constellations we call the zodiac. And moving out of that, and in 1675, we started entering the influence of Aquarius, the next great constellation. And there's real energy pouring out of these constellations into our planet, very different. Under Pisces, the individual man developed. Man came out of the herd. Under Aquarius, that primary energy is cooperation. We're going to learn how to work together. Those individuals that were created under Pisces and that are so far apart now, we're going to learn to cooperate and work together under Aquarius. Aquarius energy is changing the world. And, and we can't see it, but the masters say it's happening behind the scenes and will become obvious real soon. So this is a great time to be alive. My parents were here to save the world in World War II, and they did it. They went to war knowing full well they could be killed. And the women worked at factories, and they saved the world. They were here for that purpose. They were the right people for that time. We are here now, April, as are our children, if you have a child. They're here, and we are here to help turn the world around. That's our job, and we're capable of doing it or we wouldn't be here. Time to be alive. People are going to see changes. You won't even believe them. Maitreya is going to come forward. There's nothing official, but I'm going to say I'm very strongly within the next five years, probably less. They'll see him on television. All right. Well, if he shows up, I'm going to have you back on the podcast, and only yep. time will tell because I feel like I've I've heard I've heard people saying. This person will appear. This person will appear. Yeah, and yeah. I think about 20 years ago was the very first time I heard a concept like this. And it's been 20, 25 years and no one has appeared or showed up on TV. So I'm going to stay the open mind. I'm going to stay and continue to be an open-minded skeptic. Like you said, I'm just going to hear it. I'll kind of file it away and I'll see. I'll see what happens. And There's in five years, if I'm still doing this podcast, we're going to reconnect and uh, and and we're and we're going to talk about it two to five years on television. And his lips won't move. They'll hear his words telepathically in their head. That's one of the ways they'll know it's the world. They'll also feel the love of God in their hearts. Like a lot of people will be crying. I'll probably be one of them. That's two of the ways that you'll know this is the teacher, and everybody has to decide for themselves if they want to follow his suggestions and if they think he's really got something to offer humanity. Like I said, I wouldn't waste your time. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this was absolutely going to happen. So it's just a matter of time, you know, and I, I think it'll be justified. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that then. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. And uh, is there any website that you would like to add or if people were interested in learning more about the ageless wisdom teachings? Yes. Yes, there is. They can go to share, S-H-E-R-E, international, all spelled out. SoCal, S-O-C-A-L, that stands for Southern California, shareinternationalsocal.org. Okay, great. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. It's, yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you so much. You've got a lot of courage, you have on. <laughs> I sure do. I'm not afraid. No fear here. 
All right. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. I hope this at least opened the door for you to do a little more research. A couple of things just to say again, Benjamin Krem, C-R-E-M-E, if you're interested to learn more about him. Maitreya, that is spelled M-A-I-T-R-E-Y-A, if you want to do a little research on that. Ageless Wisdom Teachings we have, and then we have Share International. So those are some of your takeaway points. Do your investigating, do your research, and then And hopefully, maybe you guys will have some experiences that maybe you want to share with me. Because again, I agree with what Dick said and belief gets you nowhere. It's really about what you can experience that then you can call it to be true for you. Yeah. So take care, everyone. So glad that you tuned in today and we will bring you another guest sometime soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com and be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path11TV today. Bye for now.